Hey folks, your friendly neighborhood Alex here. The episode you're about to hear was recorded live at DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia on August 31st, 2018. We are super excited to have gotten to do the show and would like to thank DragonCon and the podcast track for having us and everyone who came out to see the panel for showing up and for asking us questions. Now, without any further ado, take it away, Chase. And there came a day, a day unlike, wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and no, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Episode 123 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. And we're at DragonCon. Yeah. Howdy. First time. Hey, everybody. Yeah. That's right. Make it sound like a big room. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who here has not listened before? Has anyone here not listened before? All right. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> so, here is the basic premise. We talk about comics. We usually talk about each week's new comics, but not at live shows. There we make each other read trades. And for once, none of us has tortured anyone else, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Nope. I haven't tortured them at all. Despite your best efforts. <laughs> uh, I won't say I didn't try. Uh, we did try. want to make it easy for other people to find comics they will want to read and enjoy. We like to focus on books we like and tend not to spend time complaining about things we don't. And that goes for creators, too. Like, we like a broad variety of stuff, and we'll try to push that upon all of you. Uh, Gently. That's it. That's the simple explanation. Um, we're going to be family-friendly today, <laughs> relatively. We are not normally. Normally, so our podcast is there are not some, suitable for it. some balls back there. If I attempt to drop an F-bomb, throw it at me. <laughs> Without hitting any equipment no, or yeah, water don't, don't or Don't hit equipment. Like don't, like, mess up. Okay, just, like, uh, try, like pretend. Yeah. Pantomime throwing it at me. All right. All right. Six Gun Gorilla. Yeah. I have to go first this time. Yeah, it's your choice, man. So, this is Cy Spurrier with Jeff Stokely on art. Yep. Uh, This came out a few years back, and I feel like didn't get a whole lot of attention. It's just a six-issue miniseries. In short, it is about a dude in a world where the front lines of this ongoing war with this other weird world are televised and essentially people who are ready to die for whatever reason or another get a camera implanted in their head and they go out as entertainment for the masses uh it is about story and the importance of story and narrative it draws on like old comics history with these obscure characters whose authors are forgotten whose creators are forgotten um and it's just, just this really cool, tight story about how he comes to deal with his readiness to die and why he wants to die and why he keeps looking. He's a librarian. And he keeps looking for stories and everything around him, even though it's just random events. Um, and, you know, he's part of this narrative that is this ongoing war that is basically reality tv show which mm-hmm. has no real scripted ending yeah, yeah one, of, one of the things that it gets into is the fact that 
for the most part, other than him, everybody has given up and forgotten about make-believe and stories yeah. and fiction. So it's super tight and it's super weird and it's something I thought these two would both enjoy, which is why I threw it to them. And now I want to know what you guys think. Yeah, so it's really, really, really good. Um, at first I thought it was pretty wordy, but it didn't feel wordy when I was reading it. Like you look and there are blocks on the page, but it flows so quickly. And also I love that daggum gorilla. <laughs> Yeah, that's Griller, please. Griller, Griller. I'm sorry, Griller. I love Griller. Griller. <laughs> we geographically should be able to get that one right. Yeah, we that should. <laughs> yeah, if anybody can, I think it should be us. <laughs> Brian, Brian. Um, I also very, very much enjoyed it. Um, I mean, you know the kind of things I like, and anything that uh, that, that takes someone and puts them in a place where kind of their unexpected strengths are mm-hmm. what show up and make make thing make the story move and, and change and that's exactly what happens here and one of the things we learn as we go is that this whole world reacts to the people in it it kind of forms this story around them that is what they need and once uh the main character who he just goes by blue that's kind of what all the cannon fodder in this world is called but he's the only one who really lasts for more than five minutes uh once he realizes that and realizes, okay, he's just a character in this story, you get other cool moments where, like, side characters get to come in and do these big things. It's like, maybe it's her story. Who right. knows? Yeah. Um, and there's something in that premise that I think is, you know, we tend to look at, like, what happens day to day around us as, as narrative. We try to form right. a narrative and see shape and pattern in what happens and... Uh, maybe this is a little too existential, but that's not the case. That's just how we process it. Right. Yeah. Very specifically, the, I mean, very clearly, this person is is the protagonist of this whole story, and yet constantly he's being told by the griller that you know, maybe this quit looking at this as if it's about you. Don't you. Know this is what's just what's on. happening. Right. And every everyone in this world knows because he's dressed the way he is. He's in blue. That he's got this camera in his head. Everyone he runs into tries to tell him their story so that people back in the real world will know it and try to end this war and try to understand. Like The whole thing is there are no stories except everyone's individual story that no one seems to care about anymore. Right, right. and it's, it's a really interesting thing that happens is that like they, try, they all try to use him as this platform, but he doesn't see that that's what's happening. He's like, I wasn't there. I didn't do it. Why are you mad at me? Or not, they're talking to people back home, you moron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's not it's always not you. the quickest to catch on to some he's things. He's not that necessarily likable, or no, no he's or not that either. Really not. It's, it's funny because very clearly at, at points he becomes just like he is the camera for all the people back in the world. He becomes the camera for the reader seeing into this yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. There's also some really cool design in this book. You don't necessarily get a whole lot of it in later issues, but early on, like these giant turtle droid things that are like transport units yeah yeah um or entire buildings built pulled by by you know uh herds of whatever they're horses or weird fantasy horse things yeah yeah and the turtles just have like shipping containers strapped to them for all the soldiers and stuff it's like that's practical right (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's a story, and it's it's emergent. It's forming as he is thinking yeah. about it, um, and it has it captures that feel of being almost dreamlike, 
really, really well. Yeah. Truth. Brian. Yes, sir. You gave us animosity to read. Tell me about animosity. Specifically, I gave you animosity evolution. True. So uh, if you are not familiar with animosity at all, um, if this was started uh, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe to two years, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, and it's a, a world that was created by Marguerite Bennett, who, if you've listened to the show, if you have listened to the show before, you know I absolutely love. She is she. Everything that she's done has been, at the very minimum, good and a lot of it's great um this world that she created animosity specifically is about uh an event that happens called the awakening or the wake and every creature on earth be it insects uh you know rodents mammal like everything gains sentience and can begin to speak like the level of sentience of humans and a whole lot of them are not happy about how humanity has treated them as kind of the quote superior species um and the story kind of takes off and runs from there uh i'll mention super briefly the the original story uh kind of talks about uh, a girl and 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 her dog and is her story about a journey uh and that then good good sander boy that's right i love that good good sander boy uh, but then uh, she, they started a second series, which takes place in the same world. And there's a couple of characters that are kind of related, but it, it does not, you do not have to read the original story to understand this. It is a different setting, different characters, and uh, it's, it's really tell, even it's a, different a different story. kind of story. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And it's telling a different kind of story, um, specifically where the first one is kind of a journey that they're taking and meeting different things and running into different situations. An incredible this is, journey. Yeah. This uh, Animosity Evolution is all about a single city. It's all about San Francisco. It's like the good seasons of The Walking Dead and the bad seasons of The Walking Dead, except it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. From what I know, that is accurate. Um, I don't have to ask because there are puppies in it. What did you think, Jen? <laughs> There are puppies in it. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Yeah, I I ended up reading the first volume of each series, the evolution and the regular animosity. Um, the first one has a bloodhound in it, and I grew up with a bloodhound, so I was immediately like, oh, this good. Oh, this going to be so good. And then some things happened, and I was like, Brian, why you make me read this book? <laughs> But it was beautiful and wonderful. Um, but evolution is really cool in that it deals with kind of the evolution, like evolution oh, of. Hey, the name of the book is in it. Uh, the evolution like of animals to machines, sort of. In some way, it also deals a lot with because it takes place in a city. One of the main characters that it follows is is the leader of the city, who is a Malamute. She's a Malamute wolf mix. A Malamute wolf mix, you're right. Yes. Um, winter and, mute. Yeah, winter mute. And it's puppies, it's, I'm there's a lot of, and when I, I don't want to say this and give the wrong impression, so let me explain why. It's a lot, there's a lot of politics involved, but not politics like, you know, read, but like how different factions of the city are not happy about different things and how they have to react and how they're trying to control this and they're running out of food in some cases and so there's kind of this boiling kettle that they're trying to deal with it's a book about animals forming a municipal government post-apocalypse right essentially i mean yeah <laughs> okay yeah. yeah it's got oh all my god that. it's kind of like animal horn no. 
So Not we, the same themes, though. Trust me. Can we talk about what the literal best part of evolution is, though? The mice. The mice. It's the, the mice. mice. Is the four it? sisters of the prairie. The four sisters. Yeah. You, All named name, for. Name them. Octavia, Augusta. Julia. Julia. And Septus- Septicemia. Septicemia. Yeah. Septicemia. All they, named for Roman emperors. Sure. Go. They got their names from smutty romance books. <laughs> yeah. That they thought were like intelligent human tomes. Yes. It's adorable. But the mice are cray. Yeah, that's the, yeah, she mentions that. I like that, too. There's, there's several instances where the animals, because they've gained this intelligence, like find things or, or experience things that humans create, and they're like so impressed by But like they completely misunderstand. Like that, they think these romance novels are these tomes yeah. of intelligence or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That happens several times. It's very fun. It's very uh, fun. There are a number of bats in this book also. I would like to bring that. Why you make me read this book, Brian? Because it's good. That's why. I, I'm afraid of bats. You also learned some things recently about bats that I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not talking about, about that. It's this PG show. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Can nope, listen nope. to our other podcast, Minds at York. <laughs> yeah. So this yes. was good. This was good. Um, I, I would highly recommend keep going to because it obviously leaves this first one leaves you sure. with a big cliffhanger at the end, and it it is. Should we talk about the cyborg animals in this? I feel like we're leaving out a pretty major piece okay, of Okay, fine. That's yeah, fine. That's, so, that's kind of what I hit on. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that happens is there's several animals that get injured, and one of the main characters is a veterinarian that she finds. And obviously, that is a huge find for them. They're, like, super happy to have him. And so he gets a very respected position and uh, kind of on her councils, kind of, or in her inner circle. And... Uh, there are animals that, that get damaged, and they replace them with these cybernetic parts, and they become what are called animata. And they become kind of the uh, elite guard or elite police mm-hmm. force for Wintermute. And actually, Wintermute herself ends up getting some of these parts. So, Right. And then that kind of backfires. <laughs> things, go, things go very badly. Then things go very badly because of that. Yeah. Yes. But that's how it ends. So only Brian knows what happens next. No, everybody else that's already read the other issues knows that too. Oh, okay. Fair. Well, true. There's also an awesome tree frog assassination attempt. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the tree frog just tries to jump and touch somebody. And that's, that's all, it. That's do. all they have to do. <laughs> hey, Jen. Hey. Tell me about Nimona. I sure will. Um, this book started out as a webcomic, and I think it was like around 2013, and I don't read a lot of webcomics, because it's hard for me to keep up with them, because I read everything else, but we've we've been asked a few times yeah. to mm-hmm. talk about one, and this is one that I actually did keep up with. Uh, when it came out in 2015, I had to get it, because it's so awesome. It is about an alternate history, an alternate reality, where magic and science kind of coincide but it's also super cute. It's like an adorable, fun romp with you don't know exactly who the villains are. You don't really know who the heroes are. You just know that you love everyone and hate everyone at the same time. You know who's supposed to be the heroes and who's, quote, supposed to be the villains. Right. Based on, you know, the main, established tropes. Right. But, yeah. The main characters are Blackheart, who tried to be a knight and failed, and Nimona who is a shapeshifter. Some, for some reason, she's a shapeshifter. And she is the most epic, cunning, little crazy person out there. Yeah. She's super fun. 
um, and they're trying to go against the organization, who you think is okay for the first half of the book, I would think. That's about right. And then you're like, these people messed up. Uh-uh. Yeah, she kind of, Nimona kind of tricks her way into becoming Blackheart's sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. What'd you guys think of it? I was oh. a little nervous about this pick because oh, no, I wasn't I sure. Absolutely. I am 100% yeah. in favor of scientists and magic people overthrowing oppressive government structures. Right, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, one thing I do want to mention about this is the art. Um, it's very, um, it reminded me a good bit of like Adventure Time, the animated series. Like the art is very, uh, I don't want to say cartoony because it's not cartoony. It's like but sketchy it's very, and blobby. Yeah. It's, it's not realistic. How's no. that? Yeah. Did I read somewhere that this started out as Noel Stevenson's like senior thesis? I didn't read project? that, but that would be awesome if it did. I believe it did. That's cool. Yeah. And it, I think probably, I'll be honest, what I enjoyed the most about this is as you read through it, it's not just like, oh, this is a character that starts this way and then you change and your feelings about him change to this. Like, that doesn't stop. Like, it changes, and then you feel, oh, no, this, this is actually the good person. I love this person. Wait, that why did, why did they do that? That's not so good. That's and evil. then, oh, no, the, oh, maybe they're the bad person well, now. And imagine that. People are complex. Well, and it's very much a story about context. Blackheart oh, is yes. the villain because yeah. the organization made him needs the villain. a villain and wants him to be that. He uh -huh. is chosen by them to be that and doesn't get a say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they are in power, he seems like he's the villain of the piece, but in reality, he sees them for what they are. And Sir Golden Loins, who is the <laughs> hero, <laughs> yeah, hey, but uh, he his like he is made the hero also by the institute, yeah. not because of the choices of actions and what he does. No, because but he's yet he still bumps into some things that he's then asked to do. It's, and he yeah. is he is yeah. very much like defined by his own both willful and sometimes not ignorance. He willfully refuses to admit his role in Blackheart's maiming. Uh -huh. yeah. He refuses to see the organization for what it is. And he is only really in any way redeemed once he starts to right. accept those things. He is very much about himself until the institution pretty much shuns him. And then he's like, oh no. Was I wrong the whole time? But there's nothing in here. I would. I don't think there's anything in here that you couldn't put in front of a kid, though. No, I don't no. think so. I mean, it's like like they're real characters, which makes it kind of seem like maybe it's not a kid's book at all. And I don't necessarily think it is a like a kid's book. But like I, like thinking back through this, there's nothing that you couldn't. There's nothing yeah. bad. No. So, like, I, and there's holy cow, cool shape-shifting dragon people. Come on. Yeah. Sometimes she's a cat. Sometimes she is a cat. Sometimes she's a squirrel. True. <laughs> That's right. But the fox is the best. You might be right. Yeah. If she were a puppy, would the puppy be the best? Probably. Okay. There's a clear hierarchy in how we rate how much we like things. Oh my how God. many dogs make it to the end? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, has Noel Stevenson done other stuff? Since yes. This? Okay. Alex can answer that one. <laughs> Do you happen to know what it is? Because uh, I did not look to see. To the Googles, I my believe friends. she has done some work on 
the boombox series about the girls camp lumberjanes i believe she's done Mm -hmm. work on lumberjanes yes um, I want to say she's done some Marvel work too, but I don't Let's see here. off the top of my head recall. Okay. Uh, the um, reason that I ask is like, I really, really enjoyed this. Like the amount of, like I said, the amount of kind of realistic personality she put yeah. into these characters, like as this kind of, like I said, what seems almost like a kid's kind of thing. Sometimes yeah. it sometimes yeah. like it, I was impressed by it. All right. Anything else on any of those? No, I'm good. Any questions about any of those? She's also doing She-Ra. Yes. Yep. Yes. That was, okay, I think that's yeah, what that, I had. She's, she's in animation now. That's where she That's is. where it is. Okay. Yeah. It's like I knew there was an answer that should be right there and is relevant right now. Does anyone have questions that don't have to do with those books? Uh, other than how many dogs did make it? <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of a tough question. Uh, in Nimona, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all the good, good doggies made it. Oh. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah yes. Jen, they've all made it. <laughs> yeah. There were no dogs in Six Gun Gorilla. Just, no. How many dogs make it to the end of Animosity, Brian? Don't tell me. I want to read more. <laughs> that all of them, see. Jen. They all okay. make it. Good. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> no dog has ever died. Good. <laughs> they That's just how it fade be. away. Aww. All right. We hey. have questions that have been submitted to us from other people. So we're going to get going with those. And if anyone has questions as we get going, just come on up to that microphone and ask them. Friend of the show and occasional guest ghost, Tim who is definitely not sitting in the audience. <laughs> Everybody stare at Tim. <laughs> Asks. We would, but we can't see him. He's a ghost. <laughs> oh, true. He went incorporeal. Beans. Right. You review solicitations on your show every month. What is a new or interesting title that should be on my radar in the coming months? Come on, man. I haven't looked at solicitations yet. It's <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Con prep week. Um, well, I'll tell you... I- if it's not next week, it's two weeks. I haven't put my list together for this coming up week. But the Sandman stuff is starting up. Truth. Yeah. So that's certainly pretty high on my radar. Yeah. Um, there's also, it got delayed, but Justice League Odyssey is supposed to start coming yes. out soon with Stepan Shayek on art. Yes. And anytime he draws a book, it's worth reading. Truth. Anytime he writes a book, it's worth reading. Um... I'm going to go ahead and say there's probably like a, a, a very good chance that there's always a Donny Cates book coming out. Pick that up. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, anything, let's see, do we just want to throw out some writers and artists who we would always... <laughs> I mean, we like, do that all the time. Though. Well, we do. I mean, we can, but we, yeah. Brian's bored with that. We, he we said st- no. Nah. You know we can't just stop at 23 minutes, right? No, I <laughs> We've got the room for a whole hour. <laughs> Donnie Cates, Magdalene Visaggio, uh, Teeny Howard. Uh, it's already coming out, but Euthanauts oh, yeah, Euthanauts is fantastic. Really good. Uh, the second issue came out this week. Um, I know something that kind of just got announced and is in. We haven't talked about it in our solicitations yet, but it's coming up. Uh, they just announced Green Lantern. 
Uh, Grant Morrison's going to be doing Green Lantern. Little known writer, Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah. in November, and that's yeah. that's going to be kind of different. In October, we get more Unstoppable Wasp. <sighs> yes. And Raven, Pirate Princess. Yes. Those Indeed. are good. Uh, oh, oh, we broke Alex. Yeah, we broke Alex. Like, name all the things I should read is just data overload. <laughs> yeah, it's using using my own greatest joy too, against too me. many backlogging recommendations. <laughs> Listen to next week's episode for more answers when we talk about November solicitations. Because we will yeah. give you solicitations yeah. next week. What are some titles that have surprised you with how good they are? Either because they're a writer or a character you don't like, or because it's a smaller imprint, or I am going to make an editorial decision and say for any reason you want, and not be so prescriptive. I already have an answer. My answer is, and I think uh, we're only three issues out, or the third one's about to come out, Hawkman. Yeah? The new Hawkman, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting a lot from it. It's pretty good. Like... They they've done a whole lot to clean up his whole because it's let's be honest his backstory right now is a mess and they've done an amazing job of tying every last bit of it together none of it's thrown out yeah uh, but yeah I, it shocked me how kind well of kind I of a liked cool it. mystery at the center. it was yeah, yeah. Uh, I just had an answer for this one. I got one okay. don't worry I, I you got go. you I you got go. you every size barrier book. Other than Weavers that has come out, I read Weavers and I just didn't like. Why it's fine if you don't got, like why, something. It's been two years. Why you still got hate on I just, Weavers? No, I just don't like it. It's just not for me. It's not for me, and that's fine. That is fine. That but is every other Size Barrier book after that, I was like, this is so good, mm-hmm. I can't stop. It happens sometimes, though. You'll grab a book by a writer, or artist, or whatever, and be like, eh. And then not you'll find me. either the genre they're good at, yeah. or yes, yeah. just realize that was a fluke and that wasn't your thing, and. It's always worth giving people a second shot if you've got the time and inclination. Yeah. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life. It's a ridiculous answer, but it is very much true. I loved that show as a kid, and the comic is just like watching the show. Uh, it, it basically runs in these two-issue mini-arcs, and it feels just like an episode. It starts out with Rocco loses his job and has to take in a roommate who is a sloth that throws parties all night long. And... Like, Rocco goes slowly mad dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an arc that just wrapped where his dog becomes social media famous while Rocco is working for Conglomo, and Conglomo repossesses Spunky as their own property because he used a company phone to take the pictures. Uh, yeah, I can tell you another one. This one, Alex actually talked me into reading the first trade for this one because I am, I, I'm like, just the Inhumans don't appeal to me at all. Uh, but I read the first trade of Black Bolt, and man, was it good! It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think I've recommended that to a couple other people since yeah, then. If, so. <laughs> if Saladin Ahmed's name is on the book, it's yeah, a good bit. It is. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. All right. Anyone got anything else, or are we moving uh, on? I'm We're moving to... on. Yeah friend of the show adam wants to know what's the best movie based on a comic book i mean black panther yeah that's good uh <laughs> deadpool was good 
And the first, especially, I love, I love the first, like, it was so, and you all know this already, though, it was so different from his first superhero movie that it was so cool that I yeah. really enjoyed that. I'm going to give a weird answer to this because oh it was such an obvious answer, but I have a reason. Spider-Man Homecoming. And here is why. The entire... I think I broke Jen. The entire... I'm just going to play on my phone for a minute because it's going to take a while. Yeah, we're, here's how we fill the back half of the show. The entire Peter... Uh, oh, what's her name? The romantic interest. Mary Jane? No, not Spider-Man. Not in Spider-Man Homecoming. It's oh, not. oh, in Homecoming. Um, uh, Liz. Uh, Liz. The entire yeah. Peter-Liz-Vulture triangle is the oh, Peter-Harry... Yeah. Uh, 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 Norman Triangle, mm-hmm. but it is presented in such a way that even though you know that relationship, you never see it coming, and that makes it feel completely fresh and different and modern and not. I've never loved the whole goblin thing, so I get bored with the Peter Harry Norman thing, and this felt much more engaging. So I think that's an example of not just taking the comic but like making it something new and doing something different in this new medium where the continuity of 58 years of spider-man doesn't really give you so much room to do that in like an issue of amazing spider-man also atomic blonde is very good oh, oh yeah that is god good. just the soundtrack for that man are you kidding yeah. what's the best video game based on a comic based on a comic uh, that's harder. I am a sucker for the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. In fact, we've talked before on the show, like, actually reading comics is a thing I only started doing a few years ago. Those games were, like, one of the first ways that I was introduced to characters like Moonlight, Moon Knight, oh, who no, is one of my that. favorites now. Um, I think that was how I first actually was introduced to Iron Fist, too. Um, and I think maybe they tell cleaner versions of some of the stories that they adapt because they're stripped down to be a playable experience and not a comic event that comes out over the course of eight months and gets delayed, which is not me throwing shade. It's just normal in the case of comic events. There was a Spider-Man video game that came out in like 2011, 2012. Shattered Dimensions? Mm. Webs of Darkness? Was it Web's Darkness? Yeah, I sure. I don't remember what the subtitle was. Remember. It was Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, but you could swing around and, like, capture comic book pages. Beanock. Yes. Beanock made it. It was just, uh, I think it's just Spider-Man. It may have been. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that game, it may not be the best comic book game, but it is the one that uh, made me a completionist. And it's the one that made me, like, listen for little sounds to know when something's near me that I need to pick up. Because every time the little comic book pages would go, dingle, 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 ding, I was like, yes. Nope, I got my answer now. What is your answer? Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That game, when it came out, was just, the, the fighting style, that flowing, continuous fighting was just mm. crazy. The Spider-Man game that comes out next week is going uh, to You be are correct. Good. Now, I will say, I was just about to point that out. Now, if you want to talk about this next year, it might well be the Spider-Man game that's yeah. about to come out because that looks amazing also. And to finish out the trio of unintentionally Spider-Man-related questions, oh boy. 
What is the best arc to feature Spider-Man prominently? Any Spider-Man is applicable. Spider-Man, Deadpool, where they're old men. Can I say Dan Slott's entire run? Does it count as an arc if it's no. a no. fifth of the entire history of the no. character? No. Fine. Then the lead up to and the run of Superior Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, just to be different, I will say the first... <laughs> because I'm uh, Brian. The first, the first Spider-Verse uh, uh, event... Just because it was an event, then I'm. Uh, if you listen, to this, you know I'm not super keen on Marvel's version of events sometimes, especially how they end them, um, or don't, or sometimes don't end them. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, Spider Verse was actually self-contained. It had an ending. It was it was really good, and it introduced a whole lot of really cool characters. As a matter of fact, they're doing right now kind of a second version of it, and they're doing Edge of the Spider Verse right now. Spider Geddon. Spider now it's Spider Geddon, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're going back to visit some of these characters that they introduced on these alternate Earths, the spider people. Yeah. And it's really cool. Some of them are pretty neat. Like Brian's how. going to give a different answer by naming a different Dan Slott Spider-Man story. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I like how well, we yeah, started the show out going, we like to talk about the things we like and not about things we don't like because we are good people like that. And then we were like, hey, let me tell you all these things that I don't like. Well, we, sp- we don't speak specifically. We tend to speak in general. Like, we, we don't like these types of things. We don't usually say yeah. exactly what they are. Someone sometimes, asks sometimes us a question. Do. Sometimes do, yeah. All right. Hey, I have a question. Okay. Uh, Jenna, I notice you like puppies. Those things that come up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but where I'm confused is, like, miniature puppies with wings are essentially just bats. So why the disconnect? Where's the difference? <laughs> okay. Then I have to tell you a whole story. Thank you. <laughs> When I story was time, seven years time. old, I had this bathing suit that I loved. It was awesome. It was like orange and PVC. Why they would give a seven-year-old a PVC bathing suit, I will never know, but I loved it. I was in my aunt and uncle's pool, and I got swooped by a bunch of bats because I guess their echolocation was pinging off Wayne. of my PVC yeah. bathing suit. They were tangled in my hair. They were all over me. And then it happened again when I was 18. No, pa- no PVC bathing suit this time. But, yeah, I did get swooped again. Got a bat in the hair. The uh, bat's safe word is, yes, father, I shall become a bat. That's actually what gets them to stop. Okay. Well, now I know for future. Yeah. Because rule bat of swoopings. threes, it will happen again. It will. It will happen again. In, uh, let's see. Probably tonight. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> probably tonight. But the fun... I was going to yeah. say 11 years from the last time, but that would be like right around now, wouldn't it? The fun... Yeah. The fun part of that is that I have a tiny little dog who looks like a flying fox in the face. So... He does swarm you, too. He does swarm me. He swarms everybody, to be fair. He does. <laughs> he's, he's very friendly. Some might say overly friendly. <laughs> yeah. More questions? More, please. Ah, oh, yeah. So with that bat story. Oh, boy. <laughs> the fact that you read comic books, how do you not know you're supposed to be Batgirl right now? Yeah. The universe is speaking and you're not listening. I don't get it. Why can't I be Batman? What's wrong, Charles? What's wrong, Charles? Why can't I be Batman? The wrongness is you're not getting the message to be Batman. whatever you want to be. <laughs> also, how do you know I'm not? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mike. 
Spoilers. <laughs> Anybody else? Do it, Grant. You know you want to. Do it. <laughs> oh, boy. Grant. Grant. And now I know you told me 10%. 10%. I know you told me 10%. This man is insane. There is a swear jar in the next room over. PG-13. Right. Yes. What is your favorite supervillain and why? And what is your favorite superhero and why? Okay. Now do it topless. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sitting here, so I know that was a joke. But what makes you think I'm not? No. <laughs> you want to know my secret, Cap? Shh. No spoilers. Right. I'm going to answer with a trope. Not trope, a device. I am all for arcs for supervillains that give them a chance to be heroic. So if you put Otto Octavius in Spider-Man's body and costume and give him the chance to try and to ultimately make the one realization that actually does make him heroic, then I am for that. If you give Doctor Doom a chance to be an anti-hero at the very least, or a chance to be a hero and put on Iron Man's armor and be Iron Man, like, this is someone who saved the universe and basically got no thanks for it, almost no one remembered it, and then he's like, I like heroism, let me try this. Oh, this isn't working. Um... <coughs> I like those moments where the roles get reversed a little bit. Uh, there's an Al Ewing Loki run where Loki gets to try to be a hero. And he's not the first one to do it, but he did it most recently. Obviously, the, there's stuff going on right now that may be some of this or maybe not too. But that kind of thing is always cool to me, just to see them... I think I think there's a, a narrative reason for it. I think it's easier to write a villain trying to be a hero as sympathetic than it is to write a villain opposite a hero as being sympathetic. I don't love Punisher because I don't think Punisher ever gets to be particularly heroic. Okay, but pick one. <laughs> yeah, because like I'm, as, as he starts naming these, I'm like, oh, I know who I'm going to say. And then he mentions that one. And then he keeps going. And then I'm like, oh, well, I okay, can name Brian, this person. Who are you but, but say? I was going to say, uh, I was going to say Dr. Doom, specifically as infamous Iron Man. But even more so, that character over a long history has had very specific motivations that are not evil. They are what he feels is the best way to accomplish what a lot of times are the same kinds of things that the heroes want to accomplish. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite is Power Girl because she's awesome. That's, That's your why. Favorite villain? That's, That's your my favorite, favorite hero. I, you guys weren't, you're saying anti-heroes. And Power Girl come is your on. favorite villain. <laughs> no. But she could be if she were bad. Well, there was that Justice League Unlimited arc where she kind of yeah. was. There you go. That's yeah. true. Galatea. Yep. Yeah. And my favorite villain is me. No, um, <laughs> it's probably Kite Man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. Oh, superhero. I got to do that too, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, answer the question, Brian. God, that's hard. That's so much harder. I'm going to say Spider-Man. Of course you are. <laughs> of course you're going to say Spider-Man. Um, okay, I'm not going to go with, with what my gut reaction is which is to say unstoppable wasp <laughs> it's an acceptable answer though it He's is sweet and amazing but, I and feel, adorable. but i feel we say it so often but 
<laughs> but so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that one. Um, be, be true to yourself, Brian. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go with my perf- my pre comic book reading break. I'm going to go with Raven. Raven. Yeah. 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 I've always I've always liked that character. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Anyone Come on. else? Yeah, Tim. Oh boy. I know, right? Hey. Um, sh- All right. <laughs> hey, Tim, so, real quick, who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels superhero. like. My favorite, my favorite superhero is Green Lantern. Oh, okay. Who's your favorite oh, supervillain? Would you, I guess, Venom? Would you count okay. Venom? In the oh, villain? no, I would definitely sure. count Venom as a sure. villain at points, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, so I started reading comics when I was a kid, started reading superhero comics, and I'm like, hey, these are cool. But I didn't really love comics until I read Why the Last Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was the comic that made you love comics? And why? Why? I want detailed explanations. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uncanny X-Force. I'm not going to stand up here while you talk. I'm okay. That's <laughs> no, come Everyone's back. I want to look you in the eyes. Anyway. <laughs> Uncanny X-Force. Uh, I had made efforts a couple of times to start reading individual comics or at least to start reading trades or graphic novels or whatever and they never really stuck because frankly I could never figure out where and what I needed to read to understand what was going on and all of that and that's part of why we do this. Uh, But back when the iPad first was a thing and Comixology first was a thing, every week they would drop free issues of things like first issues of arcs, whatever. And one week Uncanny X-Force number one was one of them. And it is for the most obtuse and most me reason possible. I really liked the coloring. Coloring. Alright. Was the lighting especially good? Yes. Yeah. It was Dean White on colors. Um, He did the first arc and then Matthew Wilson took over. But he did the first arc and... I think part of the thing that had always kind of been a little bit of a barrier for me, and I know this is maybe sacrilegious, but older comics don't always do a whole lot for me. A lot of them, I just feel like, haven't aged super well in terms of storytelling. And if you like them, that's cool, that's awesome, that's... I am not going to tell anyone they're not good, they're just not for me. Um, And this was kind of the first time I'd really seen something that was colored in a way that is now the norm a few years later it was a lot more detailed in its coloring because technology had advanced and it could be it could be printed that way it could be printed on paper that would take the inks in the way that they were colored but it was just you know waterfalls glowed green and deadpool's shadow like slunk through them and it all came through i'm a a lighting designer too so like (laughs) color and light are kind of the same thing and I'm a dork and would notice the coloration. Is that a long enough answer for you? Okay, cool. Good. Good. All right. Um, <clears throat> Think back to your childhood and tell me, Brian, the really in-depth reason why you love comics. Uh, I, actually, this is going to be actually pretty easy for me. Um, and I'm actually going to give a couple of answers, but I'm, I'll explain why, because it, it, it's kind of an evolution. He's going to say the, the first. Not just to run down the clock. No. The, the first one, without question, because it was the first one that I picked up like every we actually had them dc mail it to me in the little brown paper wrapper and it would show up in my mailbox uh was flash 
And I happened to jump on that series right in the middle of the Iris West death uh, when, when that was going on in the 70s. And, like, I was like, oh, this is so, this is like a, this is like a real story. This is great. And so that kept me into comics. The first one that made me become the insane person that I was in my, <laughs> in my junior high and high school in those years uh, was New Teen Titans when it came out. And how many different variants did it have? It, none. One. It okay. had one cover because that, <laughs> that's what they had then. I want to amend the question and ask where the variant obsession came from. Um, Brian's a completionist. I'm a completionist. Okay. I am totally like... like it's just compulsion. Yeah, I, yeah it is compulsion. Okay. Yes, completely. Uh, but no, New Teen Titans, that was... Uh, every character in that book was fantastic. The stories they told, the, the the age that I was that matched up with a lot of, you know, similar age to them. And like, that was the one that, that put me into the comic collecting status and I just exploded <laughs> after that. Um, I've talked on the show that stopped collecting for 20 years or so. The first one that made me love comics, modern comics. Your time is up, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing you off. And no. <laughs> um, modern, like when I got back at the, what showed me what current comics could be and what is, uh, Right here, Wicked Divine. Yeah. Uh, I picked up the, I got the first trade of that and read it, and I was like, this is something completely different than any kind of comic story telling from when I read comics before. And You're welcome. I'm like, I'm done. I'm back in. What? <laughs> what? And then I buy way too many again now. Um, mine? Hmm. I always read comics. My when I was really little, I wanted comics because my brothers had them, and I like idolized everything my brothers did. But my mom and I don't fault her for this because it was a different time. She wouldn't let me have them for a long time because that's what boys are into. Uh, but my grandfather would get me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics from the from the grocery store, and would just bring them home and like sneak them to me. Like here you go, Shh, go read in the corner. Uh, but the first time I realized that that comics were a thing that I loved and obsessed over was in high school I bought a copy of Kingdom Come at mm. Barnes and Noble and I read it and I was like oh this is what storytelling with pictures can be holy Moses uh, it was just so good it was so cool to see the impact that all these different things can have on these characters and that they they could deal with these real life things too and not just like reset Boop. It was definitely cool to see the aftermath of the stuff that I had seen happen. That's my And answer. that's why we love comics. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Bueller. Come Yay! On, Tracy. You are the first person, I think, to just raise your hand before standing up. <laughs> she's very proper. She's very, right. she's very polite. <laughs> I'm what? Very polite. Okay, I have a quick question. Okay. So, I'm a novice. Mm -hmm. And so what did you think of the Scooby-Doo Wonder Woman crossover? It was Wonder Woman drawn in the Hanna-Barbera style, where the gang goes to Paradise Island to help Wonder Woman. I'm going to need to, need to know more about this. This is news to me. Yeah. Well, I went to the comic book shop and tried to order it, and they didn't know about it. So I had to send them the information. So I have a copy, 
And for me and the kids at home, we love it because we love Scooby-Doo and we love Wonder Woman. Was yeah. it an issue of Scooby-Doo team-up? I don't know. I it bet was, it was. I think, as a matter of fact, I'm almost positive. It was it only was. two years ago. Yeah. Okay. And it was um, it came out round about started. Women's yeah. Equality Day. Yeah. Okay. okay, so this is a female-driven story. Huh. The, the guys have to stay on the plane because, of course, <laughs> they can't get out of onto Paradise Island. Right. Right? Nice. So, so, so uh, uh, Velma and Daphne, you know, go out to help Wonder Woman, and they in the Wonder Woman garb. So, Yes, this was Scooby-Doo team-up number <laughs> nine. He's such a fast Googler. Yes. So you haven't seen it. I have not, but I am 100% for this. They did recently do a Scooby-Doo team-up issue that is the team with Swamp Thing, which was something I said, like, I want this to exist. And then the next Wednesday, there it was. Thank you, Universe. (laughs) But it's a fun series. I've read some issues of it, like, intermittently here and there. And I would 100%, had I seen that one on the shelf, have grabbed it, because that sounds fantastic. It is fantastic, and it was great for the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it came out around this political issue, right? Right. Um, and so it was a great so Yes, I am pro this. I am pro this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I will tell you two different things. So if it's about the crazy team-up piece that you like, there are a whole, there recently been, that we're now in the third line of of DC, hero, DC heroes and now villains crossing over with Looney Tunes characters. I, I love it. And that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, you were reading we, Catwoman and Sylvester and Tweety Bird. And Tweety Bird, yes. I, I, before the show, yes, I was. Um, if you like, if you like more the aspect of rather that than that, like women empowerment and like strong, there are I, I, there's a ton of books we can write. Paper Girls is certainly among mm-hmm. those. Oh yeah, like way up near the top. Uh, Saga, Saga has a lot. Yeah. Nimona. Yeah. Nimona oh, is a great, great example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. But yeah, there's a there's a lot being done with that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yes, that show that. Well, I think I liked it because it's soft. Yes. Yeah. Drawing is soft instead of this edgy dark. Right. Does that make sense? It well, does. you're seeing and you're seeing more and more books that are moving away from what we would think of maybe as a traditional comic book style, at least mm-hmm. for arcs or for runs. Uh, both Marvel and DC have kind of moved to this thing where they treat books almost like seasons and uh, that you know they'll, they'll have a run that's maybe 18 issues that's a writer and artist or a writer and a couple of artists and it tells a complete story and you'll often see those in drastically different styles. One of the first ones to get a lot of attention was uh, Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher and Babs Tarr's Batgirl. Uh, that moved her to Burnside, like which is the sort of hipster neighborhood in Gotham, that gave her this new costume, and that told like younger kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian mentioned Unstoppable Wasp, which we cannot get through an episode ever without mentioning. No. And nope. it's this wonderful, light-hearted thing about Hank Pym's daughter with his first wife, who has a scientist background like her father and who was raised by the same people who trained Black Widow, but who is a pacifist and tries to talk to every villain she can before she ever fights. Right. Um, and who spends all her spare time like helping to make uh, a, a young, helping to give young women scientists resources and just do cool things in the world. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more stuff like that that is that is happening that's 
Yeah. We'll give you a yeah. list. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, we probably have time for one more if we're yeah. quick. One more. One more question. And I will say there are, if I'll you haven't been over the comics okay. and oh, Pop Art Alley, there are a bunch of the people we've mentioned today yes. or who've worked on stuff we've mentioned today are there. Yeah. Teen so, Towers, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead, to kind of extend that discussion on like strong women in comics, mm-hmm. do you have any comic book uh, authors who are women or non-binary people that you would recommend? Vita Ayala is a relatively newer writer who's come on the scene in the last couple of years. She writes a book called Submerged for Vault Comics. That mm-hmm. is, a, she they she is non-binary. They and them. Uh, they write for Vault Comics. They have done some work for DC. They came through Scott Snyder's uh, 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 Writers Workshop. Yeah. Um, Magdalene Visaggio is another writer who we've actually interviewed before Definitely. and who uh, does a lot of cool stuff who came through the same program. Um, she's a trans writer. And there are a lot of, actually, in, if you... If you Look up. There are a lot of like writers and especially colorists in the comics industry who are who are trans. Um, Kelly Sudaconic is an obvious yeah. answer. Yeah, that was uh, Gail Simone, Babstar. Yes. Yes. Uh, they're both here today. Um, Teeny Howard, Howard is here at the show this weekend. Um, she has a new book called Euthanauts that is fantastic and wrote Assassinistas, which is a six-issue miniseries about like. Charlie's Angels style a, a assassin team from the 70s who they're now grown and have kids and one of their kids gets kidnapped um, uh, uh, Elsa Chardier is an artist who does fantastic work who with her uh, sort of r- regular writing partner is spearheading IDW's like all ages Star Wars run uh, Rose Stein and her art partner draw What's the book they just started, Brian? We talked about it last week. I don't know. Uh, um, Google Rostein and Ted Brandt. Uh, they, they worked a little bit on Unstoppable Wasp. They've worked on uh, Princeless with Jeremy Whitley. Oh, yeah. And uh, they have a new book coming out, and I know we talked about it last week, and I'm just blanking. Also, Wendy Zhu and Ari Arwood are very good. Um, a lot of Oni Press people. So if there's an Oni Press book, it's probably good, first off. Yeah. And it, yeah. there's a high probability that it's a woman or non-binary or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah I'm Very certain, awesome. Isn't one of the one of the uh, characters in Unstoppable Wasp in, in Girl Research Lab, isn't that uh, in their non-binary? Yes, there, is, a, there yeah. is at least one character who is non-binary. Yeah. Um, I just got a book that came out this week from Wendy Zhu called uh, Dream Daddy. It's a dating simulator comic book. It's very good. Dating simulator comic book? Yeah. Yeah. There was a dating simulator. Yeah. Yeah. A, a dating simulator game, and it is getting a comic adaptation. Okay. Yep. Um, I yeah. think it's awesome because I think all kinds of things should be out there for yes. people to read. Yes. So. <laughs> it's very good. I probably yeah. myself will not read it, but that's fine. <laughs> you will if I make you. <laughs> there will be more. I think live I know shows. what the next uh, live <laughs> show topic is going to be that I'm reading. And here's the thing: I'll probably love it if I do. Yeah. Not spare. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Kate Leff. Yes. Oh, who's been doing more animation, but she's got a series of graphic novels based on an animated show coming up soon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many. So, 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 so and, many. And, and, I only, and if you like I only tweeted us, we'll yeah. direct you to bunches of people. Yeah. And I think that's probably it, unless someone else yeah. has got something super, super, super quick, quick that they just have to get out there. Hey, Past Alex, since you're giving me the chance, I'm going to go ahead and take care of the outro business that we don't actually say during the live show right here. First up, Jenna asked me to let everybody know that Ari Yarwood is an editor at Oni Press. Also, I should have mentioned the visible women hashtag while we were talking about visibility in comics. If you go on Twitter and you search for hashtag visible women, you'll find where a couple of times of year, Kelly Sue DeConnick leads a charge in promoting women, non-binary folks, and trans folks who work as writers, illustrators, artists, editors, really anywhere in the industry. And if you want to see some really fantastic stuff, go through there and check out their work. I always end up adding more people on Twitter on those couple of days, so I strongly recommend it. Uh, Also, we'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Uh, I think we said this in the episode, but you can listen to us basically on just about anything that'll play a podcast. You can visit us over on our website at panelologypodcast.com, listen, send us questions for regular episodes, or just find out how to follow us on social media. You can also support us on Patreon if you are so inclined. We are at patreon.com slash panelology. If you enjoyed the show and this was your first time there, uh, share us with friends. Check out other episodes. We've got some interviews that we've done before in previous uh, episodes. Those are marked in their titles. And we're going to have some more coming up soon. That's it for the extra stuff now back to the past going once going twice we would like to thank dragon con and the podcast track for having us definitely thank you um and would love to be had again uh if you have the dragon con app on your phone (laughs) then pull up our panel and rate us and that will help make sure we get to come back please and thank you and if you don't have the dragon con app on your phone you should download it because it's also a very helpful thing. And even if you're not going to just shill for us, which we would appreciate, <laughs> you'll be happier for having it. Yeah. Uh, if you have enjoyed this, uh, thank you. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. At this point, all, all pretty much it's, it's any podcast all platform. Yeah. The only one I can tell you definitively we're not on is Spotify. Yeah. Because um, good luck with that. Because <laughs> we didn't host with Libsyn and right, did not yeah. get the fast track. Right. Uh, or you can just listen to us on our website at panelologypodcast.com. We are, uh, unless we've gotten the emails during the panel, we are going to have some currently unknown number of interviews uh, go up during that are going to be done here during Dragon Con, and those will all go up probably both in our podcast feed and the goal is to transcribe them and put them on the website in transcriptions too. Yes. Um, other than that, the rest of the usual closer stuff, I'm just going to record and tack in later. Either of you? Um, you can catch me on Sunday at the Breaking the Breaking the Panel uh, live show. So sorry. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> so come and check that out. Yeah. That's at 7? Is that at 7, Charles? Next door? Over there? Somewhere. Right. So come back here. Right. And we'll find you. 
Yeah, mostly I think we'd just like to thank you guys for all coming yes, and showing thank up. thank you. Yeah. That's pretty wonderful. You're awesome. It makes me happy. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. Bye. Have a good con. <laughs> <laughs>